So where does all this evil come from? Where does the heart of the matter get to? And in America, we get very puffed up about who we are, about our country. We're very proud of our country. I would say that anyone sitting in this room would probably say we're the most civilized country in the world. Um, But I would argue that we're living in quite possibly the most angry, violent, most murderous time in, in our history. And maybe even of the world as we look at that. I mean, watch the news. You see killings. You see shootings in schools. You see uh, shootings in movie theaters. Uh, It's common news to see a shooting in a public place. It's very common news. And that's not somewhere overseas. That's right here in the good old USA. Pope John Paul II calls our culture a culture of death. Um, You know, one of my favorite things to do uh, is to go to college football games. I love it. I enjoy it tremendously. Me and some uh, friends of mine, we go every year. We pick a rivalry game and we go. And it's amazing to me to see uh, how angry some teams get at the other team, especially these rivals with each other. You know, of course, all of you know I'm an Oklahoma Sooners fan. And so I've been to the Texas State Fair and gone to the UTOU game. And one of the cool things I enjoy about that game, besides a few, um, we'll just call them ignorant people, they are, for the most part, they show a great respect for one another. They'll sit down and eat corn dogs together, turkey legs. They'll, what's good? Have you had anything? Great. Good luck today. All right. When you lose, one of the good parts about losing in that game is you get back to the food lines quicker. You don't have to wait for everyone else. Um, when you win, you get to come out and gloat, but you have to stand in line longer. But, so it's kind of a catch-22 there. But I enjoy going to these games, but watching how some teams treat other people, other fans, and how they talk down to them. And one of the most disturbing things is when I see children. Sometimes the children have just as big a potty mouth as their parents. And their parents say nothing. And just this anger and this hatred towards the other team. And nothing has has taken place. And a lot of people would just claim that that's good, clean fun. But I would say it's very much breaking the sixth commandment. Why are we like this? This evil comes from evil hearts. Evil hearts that have turned away from God. Um, There is very widespread and quick spreading violence in the media and our culture. It's almost like our culture celebrates violence. If you watch the news, if you watch much uh, TV in the evenings, and I would say it's late night TV, but it's not really that late anymore. And uh, very much celebrating Breaking the Sixth Commandment. The American Psychological Association said this. This is crazy. I want you to key in on this. By the time the average child finishes elementary school. Okay. Fifth grade. He or she will have watched 8,000 televised murders. And over 100,000 acts of on-screen violence. I want you to just let your mind wrap around that for a minute. Murders and acts of violence on television. And things are getting worse. New York Times comments. If you have the impression that movies today are bloodier and more brutal than ever in the past. And that their body counts are skyrocketing. You are absolutely right. Inflation has hit the action 
adventure movie with a big slimy splat. We see movies like Hunger Games where they pick teenagers to go into fight in this arena and it's the last man standing. So they literally put them in a huge, this is a movie if you didn't know that, but they put them in a big uh, simulation and they fight to the death and the last one out wins. And they crown them the victor and they celebrate it. When you think of video games for children such as Fortnite and PUBG, or Players Unknown Battleground for those of you who are like, I don't have a clue what PUBG is, all right? Hunter and I went to lunch this uh, past week with a youth pastor, friend of ours. And we were talking about this. We were talking about several things. He said his third grade son is begging him to one, get a phone. He got to have that phone, right? And two, to please put Fortnite on it because all of his buddies are playing it, right? And his dad's like, no. He's like, dad, come on, man. Why? Everyone's playing it. I want to play this game. And it's just a, a video game where these guys get together and they shoot one another and they put 100 people down on a, on a uh, island and it's your job to be the last person to survive. And they get, collect guns and grenades and all this fun stuff and they shoot one another until it's the end of the game. And his third grade son is begging him, please let me. He's like, nah, not going to happen. Maybe when you're older, he says. He's like, dad, when I'm older, Fortnite won't be cool anymore. He goes, now you're getting my point, right? He's like, now you're catching on. But it's amazing how this is infecting not just us as as adults, but our children as well. And at a very young age, um, in return, all, out of all this hate and all of this stuff in our culture, uh, not only are we unresponsive to it when we see it, we've become desensitized to it, um, but we are accustomed, honestly, a lot of the times to participate in it when we see it. It's not that big of a deal. We're, we come so used to seeing it, it, we just see it all the time. What's the big deal? And it's almost like our culture is just ingraining it into our minds. One of the reasons, uh, several things that I read this week, they were saying they think that it's so easy. If you think about military and when they train soldiers for the military, they get them so accustomed to do what I say. And they break them down and they don't give them much sleep and so that they will obey. And the reason why they can get them to obey is because they've taught them that. And they think that a lot of the reasons why there are school shootings and other types of acts of violence in our world is because our children see it. They see it in TVs. They see it in video games. They see it at school. And so, therefore, it's very easy for them to participate in that when they see it. What else does the Sixth Commandment include? Uh, A few things I don't want to skip over. I want to touch on these things. First of all, a suicide The taking of your own life is definitely a breaking of the sixth commandment, okay? But I also want to put a disclaimer here to just add this bit of information that committing suicide is not an unforgivable sin. It's amazing that I was taught this as a child. I always believed it. You can't kill yourself because you can't ask for forgiveness, so therefore you're guilty. And that's just not true. You can't find that anywhere in Scripture And so therefore, it's just, that's not the way it is. It's not an unforgivable sin. It is a sin. It is very much breaking the sixth commandment. 
as well as several of the other commandments, but it's not an unforgivable sin. So suicide is included in that. Secondly, abortion. According to numberofabortions.com, there have approximately been 770,000 abortions to date in the U.S. alone. Since Roe versus Wade, over 60 million. I just want us to understand that abortion is very much a breaking of the Sixth Commandment. John Calvin says this, The purpose of this commandment is, the Lord has bound mankind together by certain unity, hence each man ought to concern himself with the safety of all. Which brings me to my last point that the sixth commandment does include and it is doing nothing. This is a big one. I want you to turn in the, your Bibles to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Starting in verse 25. It says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he had said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this, and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, Well, a man is going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, just by chance, a priest was coming down the road, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, there's that dirty word, Samaritan. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and what he saw, um, where he was, a lost place. And when he saw him, he had compassion. And he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to the inn and took, and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And he said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Well, you go and you do likewise. You know, when Jesus told this parable, it was definitely meant to be a slap upside his head. Okay? As my mama would say, I'm going to slap you upside your head. And that's exactly what Jesus was trying to do here. And I think it should do the same thing for us today. We have an obligation to do something rather than sit back and do nothing. We should do something. And when we see this command being broken, like the men in this story, let me just say this. When we see this command being broken, just like the men in this story, and we do nothing we are just as much of a murderer as the man who walked away and did nothing. Why don't you let that sink in for a second? So I think so many times we are guilty of doing nothing. So many times we are busy. So many times we don't want to get involved. 
So many times we see situations and we do nothing. Which brings us to the inside out or the positive negative. First of all, don't murder. It's a great part of it. It's very easy to understand. We should not murder someone. Okay? But number two, we should love our neighbor. This command absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, yes means don't murder someone. But it also hits on that we must love our neighbor. Keeping the sixth commandment means more than just murdering someone or not murdering someone. You have to love your neighbor. It means showing kindness to strangers. It means showing mercy to our enemies. Martin Luther said it this way. This command is violated not only when a person actually does evil, but also when he fails to do good to his neighbor. Or, though he has the opportunity, fails to prevent, protect, and save him from suffering bodily harm or injury. If you send a person away naked when you could clothe him, you have let him freeze to death. If you see anyone suffer hunger and do not feed him, you have let him starve. Likewise, if you see anyone condemned to death or in similar peril and do not save him, although you know ways and means to do so, you have killed him. It will do you not good to plead that you did not contribute to his death by the words or deed. For you have withheld your love from him and robbed him of the service by which his life might have been saved. And Jesus very specifically in Matthew 25 verse 40 says, Truly I say to you, whatever you've done for the least of these, you've done it unto me. We have that command. And it's very much wrapped up in the sixth commandment. So a few things, this is not in your notes, but a few things that I think is our, our responsibility as Christ followers. First of all, we should pray for wisdom. We should pray for wisdom and how to help people and how to assist in that process. What that looks like to love our neighbor. Pray for wisdom. Uh, God will give us that. Uh, secondly, get in the word. It's amazing how many questions I come to with God that oftentimes get answered with God's word. So when we get in God's word, when we're reading God's word, uh, and we pray for wisdom, it's definitely a way to hear from the Lord on those things. Uh, thirdly, and this is not just for parents, but this is for grandparents or any caregiver of a child. Teach our children how to resolve conflict without violence. They will learn violence everywhere else. And we should teach them how to resolve conflict without it. Teach them. If you don't think there's violence, come to my house and look at my six and my five-year-old. And how they resolve conflict. It usually ends up bad. It usually ends up with my five-year-old girl whipping my six-year-old boy is what it usually ends up being. But um, we need to teach our children how to resolve conflict without violence. Uh, we should intercede on behalf of widows, the disabled, or the elderly. We should care for the sick and the dying. These are all things that we should be um, yearning to do. These should be things in, in, in life that when we have the time, okay, we should make them a priority. To care for others who cannot care for themselves. And lastly, I'm not trying to get political, but we should vote for those who want to bring justice and promote life. We should vote for people who want to bring justice and promote life. Um, 
I'll just leave that at that. So let's look at some Old Testament examples and some New Testament examples. Um, Turn to Genesis chapter 4. We see the very, what would lead to the very first murder in the Bible. Uh, Genesis 4, 6 and 7. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you so angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Okay, this is very much God saying this to us. Okay, if you don't, if you do well, will, will you not be accepted? If you do what's right. But if you do not, sin is crouching at your door. You <clears throat> must rule over it. Perfect Old Testament example. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. Flip over to Matthew 5. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be starting in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder. And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. <clears throat> whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Know this. Uh, so... Jesus here is hitting on a lot of Old Testament scriptures. And he's saying, you've heard it said, don't murder. But I'm telling you, it goes beyond that. We're not to have anger in our hearts. We're not to have anger in our hearts towards our brothers. Uh, James chapter 1. Flip over to James chapter 1. Because I think this is very much a um, command of what we should do to... Not have murder in our hearts. Uh, verse 19. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is, which is able to save your soul. And this goes back to getting in the word. I think when we are in God's word and we're praying for wisdom and we're seeking the Lord and what he has for us day to day, things like this are definitely not on our hearts because God's word is written on our hearts. And it says we've hidden God's word in our heart that we may not sin against God. And uh, hopefully that would deter breaking the sixth commandment in your life. So when we study this commandment, the sixth commandment fully, we will see that it's probably violated as much or more than, than most of the other commandments. Okay, And when we may not be guilty of physically murdering someone um, or murdering someone unlawfully, but we have broken the sixth commandment in our hearts. Uh, I am very much guilty of breaking this commandment in my anger and how I look at other people and absolutely 100% how I do nothing when I see certain situations arise. And I hope and I pray that uh, 
we will pray for God's wisdom and seek his uh, guidance in that. You know, the most famous murder in all of history uh, would be when sinful created beings murdered the perfect sinless creator. Uh, And that brings us to Jesus' act of obedience. Jesus was angry and did not sin. Wait a minute, you just said being angry was breaking the sixth commandment. How could Jesus be angry and not sin? Well, Matthew 21 says, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and uh, bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer. But you make it a den of robbers. Mark chapter 3. Next book. Just a few pages over. Mark chapter 3. This is one we talked about. Or I think I mentioned this one when we talked about the Sabbath. And how these um, religious Pharisees of the days uh, were very much. They wanted to trap Jesus in that when he healed on the Sabbath and when he did all of these signs on the Sabbath and when he, quote unquote, worked on the Sabbath and they kept telling him, you're breaking God's command. And here in this moment, this crippled man came up to Jesus and he had a hand that was messed up and um, they said, you can't do that. Doing that would be working on the Sabbath. You'd be breaking God's command. So let's look at what he had to say to them, how he responded to them. Mark 3, 5. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And we know that they went away angry, and they went away seeking how to destroy Jesus because they thought that he was breaking the Sabbath. He was breaking God's law. And Jesus, over and over again said that this is how you should act every day of the week. Not just on, you know, Monday through Friday and on Sunday, but even on the Sabbath day. You are to do what's right, and you are to care for those who can't care for themselves. And that's why Jesus did this. But he did look at them with anger. And he also looked at them and grieved at their hardness of heart. I think when we look at sin in the world and injustice in the world... It's very good for us to look at that and be grieved in our hearts. And it may even make us upset. It may make us mad. You may have a a stirring in your heart to do something about that. And I'd say do it. But you can have anger and not sin. So we need to be angry about those types of injustices and in that not sin. Uh, Secondly, Jesus never murdered anyone with his thoughts, words, or actions. Flip over to Isaiah 53. Jesus obeyed the sixth commandment fully. And here we see the prophet Isaiah write this about the Messiah that would come. That would come. And Jesus uh, fulfilled this scripture fully. And we're going to look at verses 7 and verse 9. It says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that was led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent. 
So he opened not his mouth. Verse 9, when they made his grave and with the wicked uh, and with the rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. You know, not only did Jesus not physically break the sixth commandment by murdering someone or by hating someone or doing something like that. He did, even with his thoughts, he did not break this commandment. I want you to think about if you've ever broken the sixth commandment with your thoughts. You're like, yeah, every day. Uh, there's a funny gif that um, when people send something really um, ornery to me, I'll send them back a, a gif of Wednesday Adam Stintner like this. It says, I'm killing you in my mind, right? And we all make a joke about it, but we do that. When we get upset with someone or angry with someone, we're like, right? Uh, road rage, anybody? Okay, no, all right. Luke chapter 23. We see, you don't have to turn there, but Luke chapter 23, Jesus um, hanging on the cross, the perfect sinless creator of all human beings being nailed to the cross being beaten crown of thorns um, completely exposed to the world um, said this father forgive them for they know not what they do even in the moment where he had every right to be upset he sinned not and I'm really glad that he did because if you're like me and you're the kind of person that breaks the sixth commandment, there's hope for us at the cross of Christ. And because he obeyed the law fully and because he uh, died the death that we deserve to, to die, if we put our faith and our trust in him, we can live uh, a life with the Father. Again, we can live with that forgiveness and we can live with the righteousness that he passes down to us. 